welcome, welcome to church this morning. I was talking with people about graduations this week, and I don't think anybody remembers the graduation speeches. One cool thing that happened during this COVID time is the graduation speeches like diminished greatly, um, but they came back this year again. And so um, I hope that you retain something that was shared at yours. I've actually gone to some graduations where I have been encouraged by what was shared, but it wasn't at mine. I don't think the graduates actually pay attention to what's going on at theirs. I was very pleased, though, on Friday night to see lots of teenagers driving fast through the city with loud mufflers and music and people having a good time again. It means that people are back to normal that comes with graduation, and so be careful out there, kids. And... Um, this is, a, this is a great season for you. We're going to, as Kara said, we're going to honor graduates, and I'm going to have Ladina uh, Doherty come up here in just a minute. She's one of our associate pastors, and she oversees all of our free gen ministries. Um, I would like to, though, just pause for a second, if I may, before we get into that. And when I woke up this morning, I was uh, having my mind race very quickly I woke up in the middle of the night with an allergy attack. I know many of you did as well. And when I came into this place this morning, I sensed just this incredible amount of distraction. And sometimes it's hard to know if that's just you or if it's, if it's something that other people are experiencing or if it's something that's spiritual. And so I just want to encourage you, if I may, I noticed just a lot of antsiness and distraction when you guys all came in today. Um, and I want to encourage you, if you could, just to take out your phones real quick. And if you could, um, and again, I know this is just an ongoing joke, but if you're over 55 years old, your phone can be silenced, actually. I don't know if you know that. And so if you could silence your phone, if you want to turn to your grandkids next to you, they can show you how to do that. So you could silence your phone. Um, and if you're under 55, um, Snapchat, Instagram, um, TikTok, everything, be real, it can wait. So if you guys can put this away and eliminate any distractions. I, I honestly believe um, that, that God wants to do something today in your hearts and that God wants to meet us where we are at. And so I just ask you, eliminate distraction. Um, if you could just kind of chill out, have a seat for the rest of the service, it's going to be, this is a good place to be. Um, I believe that God's peace um, is here today and, and he wants you to experience his peace. So would you join me in prayer, please, this morning? Uh, Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. Your word says you give us peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I ask that every anxious heart would be um, put to rest this morning. I ask that every storm taking place in each mind would be stilled. Um, God, if anyone came in here with worry, I ask that you would take that up for them. If anyone came in with fear, I pray that your perfect love would cast that out. Um, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence here. We ask you to do a work in each person's heart. We give this time over to you and ask that you would respond as, as you will. This is your service, Lord, not ours. Um, Jesus, I thank you for your redeeming work on the cross for your life, death, and resurrection. I thank you for forgiven sins. Father, I thank you for your will that is being done. We ask that your will would be done on earth, and even in this service today as it is in heaven. We trust you, God. Um, we ask your protection and your peace to inhabit this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Right. Uh, Ladine, you want to come up and introduce everyone to what we're going to be doing? And I might have you call up some of the, the youth and young adults team here throughout this time as well. It would be great. Yes. So at this time, I'm going to have um, Kara and Tim come up. Susan, uh, Ryan, if you want to come up. Um, I'm going to have Spencer come up actually as well. Um, I am so excited. Sorry. <clears throat> It's okay. Um, I am so excited to have the honor to recognize our graduates today. And um, being over Free Generation Ministries is fun because I get to see kids, youth, and young adults and kind of watch them progress into that next stage of life. And so it's been really, really neat to do that. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to call up the graduates. Um, we are going to pray for them. We are going to give them a gift. Um, and so we just want to honor them, take a moment for the accomplishments, and really just we're so excited and proud of you guys for all the stuff and all the things that you've accomplished so far. And we are so excited to see what, what this next phase of life is going to be. So we have a slide. Um, for those of you who sent me pictures, thank you. For those of you who didn't, I had to search Facebook, so I'm sorry. All right, so first one is Emily. Emily, come on up. We're going to honor you. Emily just finished getting her associates at Chemeketa, and she is going to Western Oregon. And so, Emily, we're so proud of you. We want to um, just pray for you. I'm going to have Tim lead out in prayer for you. God, we want to thank you for everything. We want to thank you for the big things that you're doing in your life. Through this time of graduation, she'll be able to focus on Amen. Awesome, Emily. Thank you. You just go yes. this way. Actually, stay here. Oh, sorry. So I'm going to interject. So last year, too, um, as we prayed for all of our seniors, God gave me a, uh, just a special word to hold on to for our seniors. And a lot of seniors were asking, are we going to do that this year, too? And I'm like, I don't know. But we are. Um, so I've been praying for the last couple weeks about people I know that we were going to honor this week. And the word that the Lord gave me for you was actually the word um, you, Y-O-U, that God is calling you. Um, to be you. You're a unique person, and God wants you to continue to be unique, continue to stand out, continue to be bold, um, and really continue to dance, continue <laughs> yeah. to play, continue to sing, continue to laugh, continue to be loud, continue to enjoy life. And he doesn't want you to be you like the world wants you to be you. The world wants you to decide what you are and who you're going to be, but the Lord has called you to be who he's called you to be. And so be faithful to him and you be you and hold on to that word for this year. Okay. Thank you. All right. Um, so next we have Melena. This one is pretty cool. Um, Elena just graduated high school at Salem Academy. She's planning on going to Corbin. Um, I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of where God has brought you, where God is taking you, and where you're going. I'm so proud of you, Melina. I'm going to pray for you. Okay. God, I just thank you so much for Melina. God, I thank you for her brightness, 
her light that you have placed inside of her, Father God. I thank you, God, that she shines and doesn't understand why people are drawn to her. And it's because of you, God, you inside of her, Father God. You have created her. You have called her. You have set her apart. And so, God, I pray right now that as she just takes this next step, God, that she will continue to hear your voice, continue to listen to your voice, and continue to walk closely with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And Melania, you are... Wait, is that a kindergarten picture? Yes, pre- it's you really the, hard to see. You, but... you are the cutest, the cutest kindergarten I've ever seen. Why did you grow up? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so I've been praying a lot about a word for you this year as well, and the word that the Lord gave me was foundation for you, um, that the Lord is your foundation. Jesus Christ, the fact that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the sent one, the Savior, the Son of God, he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He's your foundation, but God's building you into a foundation. And the thing about a foundation that's built on Christ and a foundation that he's building in in you is that when those winds come and the rains fall, your your house isn't going to be shaken. And that God is building you into a foundation that's going to be generational. And that anything that's come before you, that God's saying, I'm starting something new in you, a foundational thing that will be grown on. And that you must be confident as you go into this next stage of life that you are called, that God's called you to be confident, stable, steady, firm, a foundation, and people will surround you, as Ladina just prayed over you, and God's going to build people up around you on the foundation that he's building in you. So hold on to that and be, be that foundation, okay? Thank you. Yeah. Melina, easy, easy. So excited to get that word, that's for sure. She's been agonizing over that. Um, all right, the next person I want to uh, call up here is Jacob. And I know Jacob for a couple years. Jacob is fun. If you don't know Jacob, you better before it's too late, because he's going to be going to uh, GCU and Grand Canyon University. And so I'm really proud of him, and I'm proud of who Jacob is and who he has become. I am proud of you. And it's been really fun watching you, you know, put bananas in Stephanie's car and torture me at lock-ins, and I've really enjoyed it. And so, (laughs) a lot. I'm going to have Spencer pray for Jacob, and um, I just want to say that you, God's got got something for you, Jacob, and so listen to him. Uh, God, I just lift up Jacob before you right now, Lord. He has been such a wonderful inspiration and light to those around him, God. I just I just thank you for that. And even if he doesn't see it, he affects and reaches so many people around him in times of their darkness when when they need a light from God. Jacob shows up and he just shows them that you are here and that you are the rock that they need to rely on, God. And I just... I just thank you for Jacob, and I just ask that as he is going into this time, that he will continue to be that rock, and that he will continue to be that light, and that as he he goes off to school, that he will continue to make friendships and relationships, but more importantly, that he will still connect and stay connected with those friendships and relationships that he has built here. God, I just thank you so much for Jacob, and I just ask that you would bless him and give him peace as he's moving, um, and just... Watch out for him. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. I, and Jacob, I don't know you super well, but you've been a great friend to my son here. Turn people to <laughs> um, So 
you actually I had to pray the least about because God gave me something really quickly for you. But I want you to, this is not a word um, that I'm speaking over your life, but when you're, you're special, that, that's something you need to remember, you really are. And you've got this one of the most um, kind, infectious smiles I've ever seen in my life. And so when Spencer was just praying over you, it confirmed the word that the Lord gave me for you, and that is encourage that God's given you actually a spiritual gift. Encouragement is a spiritual gift in the life of a Christian. Anybody can encourage, but some people are given the spiritual gift of encouragement, and you have. And, and as you go forward into life, just remember, everywhere you go, you're put there to encourage people. People try to draw you into their drama, and they'll try and draw you into like being discouraging or judgmental, but God's calling you to be an encourager wherever you go, and everyone you come into contact with, you'll have the ability to encourage if you remember that. So that's, that's my blessing for you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. This next one is pretty special, too, is Sam. Come on up, Sam. I could say a lot about Sam. Sam's great. No, I love Sam. Sam has been neat to get to know, too. I've known you for about three-ish years, maybe four years. Um, but you're amazing, and I want you to know that you are truly an amazing person and individual. And as we were just coming up here, I just, just, you, God's got great things for you. And I know a while ago I prayed about you, you know, building that foundation and stuff, but I just feel like God has so much great things for in store for you, Sam, and it's so amazing to just have seen you grow and change and just continue. Um, I'm going to ask Kara to pray over Sam. Just doing what I'm told by the Lord. Sorry, Kara. It's fine. Kara's going to cry through this whole thing. It's fine. <laughs> um, God, I am so, so I'm thankful that you have brought him into our lives. You have protected him and guided him throughout his journey. But I pray that as he, um, as he leaves this season in life and moves on to um, the next season of his journey, that you would continue to protect him, that you would guide him, that you would, um, that you would place more people in his life that will point him to you um, and all the goodness that you have for him. Lord, I pray that... Um, God, I pray that um, his his family and his um, and his biological family, chosen family, all those that love him, um, will continue to be able to lift him up and point him towards you. God, we are so thankful for Sam and all that you have in store for him. Amen. That was hard. Yeah, so Sam, I first met you when you were baby Sam. Um, Sam played basketball with Zion. Thank God that they don't play anymore. <laughs> um, and, but then God brought you back together with, with our son and, and with our family and now our church, and it was such a blessing. And um, the Lord put a word on my heart for you, and that was the word um, heart, H-E-A-R-T. Care. So the word uh, God, God, when, when, when you've been through uh, hard times or difficult times, um, a mentor of mine says that that kind of like digs a kind of like a trough or a, or a well in your heart. And whatever difficulty you've gone through, whatever strong times you've gone through, whatever good times you've gone through, that, that God is digging this well in your heart. And he's filling that with all of those experiences and times. And God wants you to know he was right there beside you in your heart all along. 
and he wants to use the overflow of your heart to minister to other people. Um, the world says, listen to your heart. Um, listening to your heart is not wise because your heart will tell you to do bad things. Um, but we, we need to listen to what our heart's saying, and then we need to evaluate that with God's word. And so there's things that God will put in your heart in regard to your emotions that, that are spot on and that you need to be able to um, let God cause you to be discerning so you know what emotions you're feeling are from God because there's, there's righteous anger, righteous sorrow, righteous grief, righteous joy, righteous peace. And those things, I think, as your life progresses, you're going to begin to see more peace, more joy, and you're going to be able to really um, sympathize and, and empathize with people's weaknesses and hurts because God's given you this, this enormous heart. And don't ever, ever lose that. Don't ever let it become cold or hard or bitter. Keep it soft, and God will use it um, all day long. So bless you, Sam. Uh-huh. All right. This next one is Mr. Zion Trask. I've known Zion his whole life, and it's just weird, first of all, that you're grown man almost um he's still the picture up there to me that's what i see um but it's so encouraging to see you being called and being faithful to what god's called to do most people that are called into ministry run the other way but you are being faithful and you are saying i know it's hard i've seen it i i've seen my generation and generation but you are going in and i'm so proud of you for following god's call in your life um i'm gonna have ryan pray over you today zion I was noticing the scrunchie on your arm. It really distracted me. (laughs) Uh, That's okay, though. (laughs) Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for um, this continuation in ministry, God, and just taking on the mantle. God, it's a big thing, and I just ask that uh, Zion will take this and continue to run with it, following your Spirit's guidance. God, we just thank you for um, what you're doing in all these uh, people that have are moving on to the next point in their life. God, just give uh, your blessing upon him, Lord Jesus. We pray that upon him and ask that uh, whatever comes his way, that he will continue to stand firm in what your word uh, tells us, what your promises are, because you, God, will prove faithful through and through. And we just thank you so much for uh, who you have made us to be to surround this young man to uh, encourage him and lift him up in prayer, God, that we would continue to do that for all of these that are here today. God, we just love you and thank you for your provisions. You're already making a path where sometimes it seems like there is no way. God, you are the firm foundation that will not crumble under any pressure. God, we can stand firm on you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, Zion's been the hardest one praying about a word <laughs> over his life as he's my own son, but um, the, I kept thinking um, leader, leader, leader. So since Zion was a baby, I always told him, you're a leader, you're a leader, you're a leader, um, behave like a leader, you're not a follower. And so as I was praying yesterday, God gave me this word for you, which was arrow. Uh, an arrow is straight, an arrow um, flies forward, an arrow breaks through barriers, an arrow leads, an arrow cannot um, be stopped, it penetrates through whatever is in front of it. And so um, I believe that 
generations before you have been the pulling back of an arrow, and you're the release of that arrow to move forward into a new season, into a new day. And um, I think this, this, even this moment, um, for family moment here, I think represents kind of a shift in our own church. As as Zion was, when Susan and I became the pastor, he was one of four children that were in the kids' ministry at the time, um, and one of those was your sister. And so <laughs> we've seen um, we've seen God you know, raise you up through kids and youth, and Zion has served in every capacity possible here uh, at this church. And so I, I want to thank you for, for serving this church, and thank you for being there for this church, because um, Zion's plan is, I don't know if Ladina said, but he's going to be moving to Eugene, getting married, and he's going to be a man. It's really strange. <laughs> and... Um, so your word is arrow. So keep moving forward. Um, keep on the straight and narrow. Keep keep moving in a straightforward direction. Keep leading because that's what God's called you to do. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. If if, uh, if if we didn't honor somebody who was graduating, and if you'd like to, let us know. We we just responded to people who told us that they were, and um, we didn't leave anybody out on purpose. We did leave out the James and Evan Lehman. Paula wanted to us to honor them, but they literally graduated kindergarten, which like the accomplishment to graduate kindergarten is is like just to breathe. And they, they did their job all year. Yeah, but they did good all year, I know. And so there's some great kids. And so if you graduated from eighth grade or fifth grade or kindergarten, God bless you. Um, all right. I do think today today is a, a, a pivotal day for us, and, and I want to encourage you um, to keep an open heart and open mind to see where the Lord would lead you in regard to vision. We've been in this series called Open Doors. We've talked about the open door of Jesus Christ, the open door to our heart for Christ. We've talked about open heavens to experience a move of God's Spirit. We've talked about open effectiveness to reach people for the gospel, and last weekend we introduced this idea of an open vision, specifically an open um, tent flap. This is what, this is, I guess this is the scientific name, is the tent flap, is the door of the tent. And we just kind of scratched the surface last week, but I'm going to finish this up this week. And we've been talking about Abraham, and I know his name was Abram when it was given, but we'll, we'll refer to him usually as Abraham. We've been talking about Abraham and how God gave him a mission, A mission is why you exist. As Christians, our mission is to go make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach people everything Jesus commanded, and he promised us he would be with us to the end of the earth. That's our mission. It's why we exist. And so God gave to Abraham a mission that through him, through his descendants, all the nations of the world would be blessed. That was his mission. The only problem with that mission is that Abram was an old man without children, but God gives him this mission to take part of anyways, despite of his age and despite of his lack of having any children. And so God calls him to leave the place that he lived. He did not know this God. He had not heard of Yahweh, the God of creation, the God of later on Israel and the God of our Bible, but he follows. He steps through the open door. He kind of stumbles upon the land of Canaan. God was directing him there. He didn't know that, but he ends up in Canaan. And while he is there, God says that this land is going to be the epicenter of your mission. This land we know today is Israel. God expands this particular 
mission and then expands his horizon for his vision as he goes into the land for a second time after fleeing to and from Egypt. He arrives back in Canaan with his nephew, Lot, and basically both men's business had gotten too big for them to stay in the same place. And so God um, leads Abram to tell Lot to take the land he would like, and he chooses, unfortunately, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the plains near the Dead Sea. And Abram then is told by God to look to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and he says, everything that you see will be yours. And so God starts to expand his vision, and he tells him specifically that not only will all the land you see be yours in the place where this mission will be focused, but he says your descendants, which you have none of, yet your descendants will be as many as the dust of the earth. And so here God expands the vision. He, he spreads it out. He, he gives it this innumerable measure that this vision will be a part of. And so mission is why we exist, and vision is different than a mission. Vision is who you desire to be. Vision is who you are becoming. Vision is where you are going. Vision is the idea, the dreams, the plans, the goals, the blueprint that God gives you to see your mission take place. Again, as Christians, we all have a mission. As a church, we have a mission. Our mission at Free Church is to connect people to an everlasting committed relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. So that's our mission. It's why we exist as a church, but we have to have a vision of where we are going, of how to see that. And so we pick up um, this story today with this idea of what a vision actually is. And we talked about last week that a limited vision equals limited results. But an expanded vision strengthens your resolve for the mission. An expanded vision, with that, you can achieve results as far as you can see them. Now, the world and kind of what we would call the new age or the spiritual movement has twisted this into an idea that young people are familiar with today. Um, we, it's, been, it's basically witchcraft. We've called it different things throughout the years, but it's this idea of manifesting. If you dream or think of something, and if you begin to think on it, then it will be. That's not how the universe operates. That's not how God has called us to be. We don't just think of something and see it. Um, religion has twisted this in a way that is called prosperity theology or prosperity gospel, that if I just claim something in Jesus' name, if I name it and I claim it's mine, then God will give it to me. But that's not how God works either. But we do believe that God has promised us things, that God has given us mission, and that if we can have dreams and if God will impart to us vision of how that will be, if we have that expanded, and if our vision both limits us to how far we can go and expands us to where we can go, then we can go wherever God wants us to go. And so some of you here today, you need not only a vision, but you need an expanded vision of where God is taking and leading you. And so Lot ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot gets kidnapped by a coalition of kings. And when facing the decision of whether or not he would rescue his nephew Lot, Abraham chooses to gather an army. Abraham goes after the kings. He rescues Lot. And in return, he is blessed by a priest named Melchizedek. That's a complicated scenario. And the reason why Abram goes after Lot, the reason why Abram takes this big risk 
is because Abram has a mission to be a part of, that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. Abram has a vision for tomorrow. And the vision that Abraham had for tomorrow, listen closely to this, his vision did not involve him dying today. And because his vision was not to die today, he went after into a dangerous situation to rescue his nephew because God had already promised him a future. And some of you today are overtaken by fear. Some of you fear and specifically fear of illness and fear of death prohibits you from moving forward to the places that God has called you and you're paralyzed by fear. But if God has promised you something and if God has given you a vision and if you are being faithful to God, God will not allow you to die until your mission has been accomplished. And so if God's called you to do something, do it. And if God allows you to be taken and your life to be taken while you're accomplishing it, so be it. It's a part of God's plan. We have no need to fear. And Abraham didn't fear because he knew that he was living for tomorrow. So Genesis 15, this is where it brings us today. It says this. He rescues Lot and it says, the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I am your reward and your reward will be very great. And Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless. And the heir of my household is the man Eleazar from Damascus, not one of my own children because I don't have any children. And Abram said, Behold, God, you have given me no offspring and an employee, a staff member, a member of my house, not my own son, will be my heir. So he's saying, God, my mission is to become a nation. My mission is to become a nation that will bless the entire world. And you gave me a vision of this land I was supposed to possess. And you promised me in this vision that my descendants would number the dust of the earth. And I don't even have a kid. Verse 4, God says, this man, Eleazar, this, this staff member, this servant in your household, He will not be your heir. Abram, your very own son shall be your heir. So God's telling Abram, Abram, I know you're old. I know you don't have a son, but I will give you one. And he says, if you don't believe me, just watch. Look, I'll show you. I'll prove to you that I will give you a son. And so in verse 5, we alluded to this last week. It says this, God brought Abram outside God brought Abram outside. Outside of what? Well, um, nomadic people in the ancient Near East, and some today as well, live nomadically in tents. And so a tent in the ancient Near East looks almost identical to what these tents look like today that are used by people of Arab descent, that are used by people that are Bedouins within the modern-day nation of Israel. And I've got a picture of what one of these tents might look like, and this is what Abram would have lived in. So Brian has fond memories of a tent like this, Brian Lehman. And Abraham, our Abraham here at church, Laris, not, not Abraham, the father of our faith. And my wife and I, and I think that's it in this room, we all stayed the night in one of these tents, and it was the best sleep of my life. Um, there were camel spiders there. Um, camel spiders, if you don't know what those are, 
Think of how large camels are and then add that to a spider and imagine the spiders running around like this and that's a camel spider. And Brian got eaten alive by some mystery bug there in that Bedouin tent that next that evening and was a wuss the next day and didn't go out to do anything. No, not really. He was suffering, man. He, he really was covered in, covered in, in bug bites. Um, and so Abram would have lived in a situation like this. And so when God says, come outside, Abram had to literally open up the flap of his tent and go outside. And God says to him, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. In other words, you can't. There are billions of stars in billions of galaxies. You can't number them. Even the stars that we can see in the darkest of night skies from planet Earth, it, it numbers the thousands. They're innumerable. And so it says, God said to Abram in verse number five, so shall your offspring be. I told you they would be as numerous as the dust but they'll actually be as numerous as the stars. It's fascinating to think that there's probably more stars in the universe than there is dust on the earth. That's wild. So shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to Abram as righteousness. So God brought Abraham outside, meaning he brought him out of his tent, and Abram had to exit the door of his tent before he could enter the door of the destiny that God was bringing him to. Some of you are waiting to pass through a door that God has for you to move to, but in order to move to the door that God's opening up in front of you, you actually have to leave the place you are right now. Where are you leaving? Where, where's God calling you from? Some of you will never walk through the door of vision and destiny for your life unless you walk out of the door of. Some of you are being called to leave this city. Are you going to do it? Some of you are being called to um, create some separation from some familiar or, or literally family relationships that you might have too strong of attachment to that God is stretching you and is saying, if you want to go to the next thing, you're going to have to kind of cut the umbilical cord a little bit. You have to leave one place in order to go to the next. And this is what Abram's life is like. He leaves, he goes. He leaves, he goes. God's taking him from one thing to the next, from glory to glory. God's taking him, advancing him. He had to step out of the tent and into what God has for him. And God brought him out to the stars. He brought him out to see all the thousands of stars shining their magnificent light in the blackness of the sky in the year 2000 BC. And God says, take a look at the stars. Can you count them? We believe Job lived around the same time as Abraham. Some very similar things going on in his dynamic with God. God was like to Job, were you even there when I made the stars? Tell me how smart you are, Job, because I created everything. And so what God here is telling Abraham, look at the stars count them. If I said I'll make a nation from you and you don't even have a kid, take a look at the stars. Because I created all these stars out of nothing. And if I promised that you would be a nation, I can create a nation out of you, out of nothing, even though you don't have any kids. Abraham, if I said I'll do it, I'll do it. See, God gave Abraham this mission. God gave him a vision of all his eyes could see. And God expanded the vision by showing him the stars. And with that vision, the Bible says, Abram believed. 
With the vision, Abram had hope. With the vision, Abraham's faith was literally born. In fact, that's why Galatians says that Abraham is the father of our faith. It's because he believed what God said. And so he trusted in the blessing before he ever saw it. He trusted in what was coming before he even knew what it was. And we know now in hindsight that the blessing was God himself, Jesus Christ, God the Son in the flesh. The blessing was Jesus The blessing would be Jesus who would literally become Abraham's sin. The blessing was Jesus who would die for Abraham's sin. The blessing was Jesus who would give to Abraham his righteousness. And Jesus wouldn't even live for another 2,000 years. And Jesus would strangely come from the lineage of Abraham who didn't even have a son. And so God saw his faith, a faith in something he didn't even see. And God said, that is righteousness. When you trust in the future of what I will do for you, that's righteousness. And God credited to him the future righteousness of Jesus. And so everyone who lived before Jesus, if they looked forward to the righteousness of God and were following God's plan for them, they would receive the righteousness of God achieved through Christ. And everyone who lives after Christ, that's you and that's me, we look backwards to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and we receive his righteousness. And I'm glad that we know what happened instead of having to look blindly at what might happen. You see, God has has blessed us beyond blessing to have given us the good news of Jesus Christ and the people that lived before Jesus. They had a faith in something they had no clue about, and we have a faith in something that we have a limited view of, but what Jesus has granted to us to see, it is more than enough to put faith in him, and I believe that he will one day expand our vision, and we will see something that our eyes cannot see now, and our ears cannot hear, and the heart of our men cannot imagine, because God has so much more in store for us, and we're looking forward to something that we haven't even seen yet, and Abram received all of this by faith. And so in order... To step through the door in front of him, he had to step out of that tent, out of his comfort zone. Some of you this morning, you are so comfortable. You need to step out of your comfort zone. How do you know you're in a comfort zone? You're bored. My wife mentioned something to me yesterday about being bored. I said, I don't remember a time where I was ever bored. And I was like, actually, sometimes I, I, I actually like long to be bored. Like, I want to know what that's like. If you're bored, I'm telling you, you're in a comfort zone. You shouldn't be bored. There's a lot to do for God's kingdom in this world today. There are things that you can jump into right now that you wouldn't even be able to define what bored was if you were doing the work of the Lord that he's given you to do. And so Abraham stepped out of his comfort zone and he stepped out into the night and he saw the stars. But in order to have the hope he needed, and in order to have the faith he needed to keep going through open doors, Abraham had to see the stars. And this vision from God was all that he needed, along with constant reminder. The vision was all that he needed to keep his faith alive and to keep him moving forward. And I want to just stop for a minute, and I want to tell you what hope is today. We, we use this word hope completely wrong. We say things like, I hope that I have tacos for lunch today. We might say, I hope that I get a raise. I hope she'll go out with me. I hope to get a promotion. I hope I get accepted into that college. That is not hope. That is wishing. 
What we're actually saying is, I am wishing to have tacos. I desire that he would go out with me. I desire that I would get this promotion. I desire that I would get a good grade on a test. That is not hope. It's desire. It's longing. It's wishing. Here's what hope is. Hope is looking forward to something that we know will happen. That means that collectively, you and I only have one hope. That's it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness. The only thing that I have hope in is that Jesus Christ, he says, behold, I am coming soon. He says, behold, I make all things new. And so Jesus Christ is returning. He's returning to judge the living and the dead. He's returning to restore that which he has intended for us all along. He is coming to rescue and save forever and for eternity. That is the only hope collectively that you and I have. And you say, pastor, do you hope that one day this will happen to you? No, I might wish that it will happen to me. The only hope I have is in Christ and that he's returning. But in that, God actually gives to you and I, I believe he gives us vision for our life that we can aim for, that we can shoot for. And if God gives you a vision and if you know it's God and if it aligns with his word, if his spirit confirms it, if your conscience allows it, and if people confirm it in your life, you can actually have hope for the vision God's given you. I can't have hope for a vision God's given you. I can have faith for it. I can pray for it to happen. I can support you. But each and every one of us needs to have vision that we hope for that's beyond the collective hope of the Lord returning one day. And so this vision that Abram got, Hebrews 11 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So hope is looking forward to something you know will happen. Faith is trusting that it will. Faith is simply trusting that it will happen. Faith gets us there when we can't see it. And so when God told Abraham, hey, Abraham, I know you're 90 years old, but I want you to circumcise yourself. How many of you are grateful God has not called you to such a thing? His vision and his hope kept him going. God, I don't understand it. I've got the flint rock in my hand. I hope it's sharp enough, but I'm believing in you, God, and I've got hope, and I'm moving forward. Amen? No. Yes, that's it did. If he wouldn't have done it, we might not be here today. So when God told Abraham and Sarai that they would have a son named Isaac, the vision and the hope kept them going. And when God tested his faith to see if he would sacrifice his promised son Isaac, the vision brought him through it. Do you know why Abraham said yes to sacrificing his son Isaac? It's only because he had hope. It's because God said, Through your son that I am giving you, you will become the father of the faith. You will become a blessing to the entire world. And so if God tells you to sacrifice the thing that your hope is actually in, you know that God's going to provide a better sacrifice down the road. And God was testing his faith, not just testing if he would obey, but testing if he really had hope for the fact that his son would one day be the father of all of these people in the faith. And he just said, I'll do it because I actually have vision. You'll never do what God calls you to do unless you have some sort of vision for your life. Expanded vision gives you what you need to face tomorrow, no matter what comes your way. And so this nation that would descend from Abraham would be named after his grandson Isaac, who God changed his name to Israel, and it would be centuries before their numbers would ever reach the capacity to fill a nation. 
It would be centuries before they entered the land. But this mission that God laid out for Abraham, the vision that God gave him to give him hope and build his faith, it would come to pass. And today it's still coming to pass. And by faith, Abraham saw it. Some of you need to see things that will not happen in your lifetime. Some of you need to see things that will take place to your great-grandchildren. Some of you need to begin to see things that you can't see on your own. Read Hebrews 11. It says all the things that God promised Abraham, he never saw it. But he still has hope. And in that same book of Hebrews, it says that we as Christians are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It's a mystery, but that means those who have gone before us in the faith and are with Jesus in paradise, I believe that they are watching what is going on. And I believe that right now in the spirit, Abraham is saying, I see it. I see it. I see it. It's happening. It's taking place. Abraham had faith for something he would never see in his own lifetime. So all of us have been given a mission. Each of you should have a mission for your life. This church has a mission. But we need to have vision of what that actually looks like. The the vision of our church is beyond the mission. It's different. It's who we desire to be. We desire to be a multiplying movement of passionate followers of Jesus who impact their community and beyond with grace, love, and hope. That's our vision. Last week, I saw grown men cry and say, we've never been passionate about Jesus, but God's doing something in this church, and now we're starting to grow in relationship with him. I want to see people passionate for Jesus Christ. And if we don't have a vision, if we don't, if you and I, if we don't have a vision, if you don't have a vision today, and some of you are like, oh, this is all great, but I don't even have a vision for my life, what should I do? You need to stay faithful to your mission. And if you like, I don't know what my mission is. Well, if you're a Christian, your mission is to go make disciples. And so if you're looking for vision for your life, you must, you need to have a faithfulness to your mission and you need to keep trusting and keep moving forward in faith. And you need to be knocking, seeking, finding. You need to be asking God for vision. And I believe if you ask God for vision for your life and if you're staying faithful to your mission, God will give you one. And I find that usually you get some direction. Usually you get vision for your life while you're being busy with the mission. Usually you get vision for your life in the shower. Amen? How many of you ever got vision for your life in the shower? Usually you get vision for your life when you're commuting by yourself on the way to work. Usually you get vision for your life, and here's the key, when you're resting. Rest gives vision. And when you rest and you receive vision, then out of that rest, you work to accomplish the mission. If you're looking for vision today, start resting some. If you're looking for vision today, start serving under someone else's vision. Serve under a boss, a pastor, a missionary. Serve under someone who has a vision. And I found when you serve under someone's vision, God starts to give you one for your own life as well. But either way, you've got to open up the tent flap. Either way, you've got to step out of the tent. Either way, you've got to step out of your comfort zone and into the night. And if you want to see the stars, you've got to get out of the tent. And if you want to have vision for your life, you need to look to the sky. And I know it's cheesy, but if you want vision, it comes from God. Scripture says, I know where my help comes from. It comes from God. So we must look up to receive what it is that God is calling us to have. God actually wants you to have vision for your life. And if you want it, you've got to look up to see it and keep asking, seeking, and knocking. So, with that, 
Uh, Brooke, come on up. Um, we've got six interns here at Free Church, and Brooke is one of them. And we've been teaching them throughout this year to discover what mission is for their own life, not, not for their church they're a part of, or their family that they're in now, but with their own life, with the mission God's given them for their life, and then taught them that the mission is why you exist, and the vision is your desire, what, what you're shooting for, what you're aiming for, and they've been coming up with vision for their life as well, because when they're done with this internship, they can use those things to keep moving forward. So super briefly, I'm going to have Brooke share her um, mission, and then I'll have her share her vision. And just so you know, this, this isn't your mission or vision, it's hers. And so hopefully as she shares hers, God will give you some desire to have one for yourself. And if you'd like, there's some workshops we can do where you can come up with these things for your life. Uh, but go ahead and share your uh, mission for your life, Brooke. We were given three months to do this, and I did it within like two minutes. It was really great. Um, so the mission statement, which is why I exist, says that I exist to use my gifts talents, resources, and time to reach those who do not know the saving power of Jesus. So her mission is, it's related to the Great Commission, and it's related to you using what God's given you to accomplish his mission, right? So that's her mission. So share your vision. Okay. <clears throat> to become a wife, mother, and leader who uses medical resources and merciful practices to reach the ends of the earth who have not heard the word of God until the whole world hears. But you're not a you're not a wife, right? No. You're not a mom. Hope not. You're not a doctor. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. You've never been to the ends of the earth, right? No. She has faith for something she hasn't seen yet. Amen. And if young people don't have a vision for their life, they'll have nothing to aim for. And so I know that people like Brooke. I know that people like Patience, who shared her mission with you last week. They don't exist, and they actually have no desire um, to punch a time clock, right? They have, they have no desire to live just a, a life of just grinding away. They want to be on mission. They want to have vision. And if you notice, and, and I don't know if it was kind of self-produced this service, but in the last service at 9 a.m., she shared her mission with great confidence. And then when she shared her vision, she hesitated. And she did a little bit there. She kind of went like, <clears throat> here's why. It's real easy to share your mission, but to share your vision is putting yourself out on the line and it's exposing yourself for what your desires are, and people will judge you for your vision. They will. When you share your vision, you're inviting people to watch you try and fail. And there are people in your life right now who want you to fail. Because if you fail, then they look better, right? You don't need people like that in your life. You need people who will support the vision that you have for your life. And so as people support the vision, you need to surround yourself with people who actually say, hey, Brooke, you've got this wild vision and I support it, and I want to push you forward, and I want to pray for you, and I want to encourage you, and hey, um, you're not a wife yet. What does that take? You're not a mom yet. What does that take? You haven't seen the ends of the earth yet. What are you doing to see that? You've got to have people in your life um, that are going to propel you forward into the vision that you have. So give Brooke a hand and have a seat. And so just as, just as we share these things, I want to share with you, as we wrap up our last moments here together, you can start to dim our lights, and um, Kim, I'll tell you when to come up, so don't rush. And Dwayne, get ready. Um, as a church, we have a mission, and we have a vision as well. And I just wanted to share with you, because this all kind of ties together, um, what the vision of this church is really specifically, 
And if this is your church, then I'm your pastor, and I want to share what the vision of your pastor is for this church as well. And what my vision is as your pastor. Um, and it's, it's hard to say because it's putting yourself on the line. My vision is to reach this city. My vision is to grow this church. My vision is to reach beyond this neighborhood. My vision is to reach beyond this city. My vision is to walk through every open door God puts in front of me. Um, my father's here today, and he had the same vision. So my father, um, going to be 79 years old this fall, he had hope. He had faith that expanded his vision beyond himself. And now that continues through his children and his grandchildren. Vision is often generational. I actually believe that vision, when it comes to ministry, I, I would go out on a limb and say it's usually generational. I was saved at 19 years old, and God called me into ministry at 22. He gave me a very clear mission, very clear call to ministry. I was 25 when I went into full-time ministry. That was about two years ago. And then at 29, I became the senior pastor of this church, I know that math doesn't work. But as I became the pastor, God began to give me a vision for seeing people become passionate about serving Christ. And I knew that I wanted to reach people in a unique way that would make the gospel understandable. And so the mission and vision of this church as we exist today is, is really built on, on that. And so... On February of 2011, I was at, um, and I think of people that are here today, I know it was uh, Ladina and myself, we were there. I don't know if anybody else here today was there, but I know Ladina and I were at the Generation Unleashed Conference put on by City Bible Church in Portland, and it was up on their Rocky Butte campus that looks over the airport, and the venue holds probably around two to 3,000 people. And that was filled with middle schoolers, high schoolers, young adults, and they spread it into two weekends. And so I was there at Generation Unleashed. Today it's called the One Conference. And I was observing thousands of young people worshiping. And, and I was enjoying worshiping. But here's something to pay attention to. Sometimes, um, sometimes your annoyances, sometimes your discontention is actually God leading you to vision. So I was watching people worship. I actually became really dissatisfied that it took hundreds of churches gathered from the entire Northwest to fill up an event like this in a major city. Uh, I'll try and make that a little bit more clear. It shouldn't take hundreds of churches from an entire region to fill up a room with a couple thousand people worshiping Jesus. And the dissatisfaction I felt, and instantly it was this, why can't this happen? And the, the word that came to my mind was here. Why can't this happen here? Why can't this happen wherever here is for you? And instantly God spoke to me. And God does speak to you. And some of you might come from a background like, I don't think God still speaks today. He does. God speaks to you through his spirit. It's words of wisdom, words of knowledge. It's prophecy. You need to weigh it. You need to judge it according to God's word, the Holy Spirit, your conscience, and others. 
Prophets are subject to prophets. You need to ask other people to confirm. And the Lord spoke to me, and I began on my iPhone 3 in 2011. I just began to, like, type away. And this is what the Lord gave me. And just like Brooke was like, here's my vision. I don't want to share this with you. And I tried everything I could to not share this with you. But last week when I was looking for this vision, I found an email about open doors, and I was like, ugh, I have to share it. I want to read it. This is what God spoke to my heart. He said, I've just been waiting for someone who would do it, do what my frustration was about. I've been waiting for someone who would do it, build it, see it, establish it, invite the heavens into this city. And this is what I believe more than anything the Lord showed me in 2011. He said, a move is coming to the Pacific Northwest that no one will be able to deny. Only the scoffers will be able to scoff and be damned for it. You have to knock. You have to pull. You have to seek. If you seek me, I will find you, and I will answer your request. All that needs to be done is to ask to pull down from heaven a new reality. It's yours for the taking. Seek, ask, find. And the Lord said this to me, and it was odd. He said, no is not in my vocabulary. Now, God says no way more than he says yes. But in, in this context, is if you're asking God to glorify himself, if you're asking the gospel to be spread and people to worship Jesus, knows not in his vocabulary. We can ask and he'll respond. The, the vision went like this. The word, people are simply just waiting. People are waiting for someone to take a stand. People are waiting for someone to cross over in front of them, for someone to set an example that they can chase the impossible. I thought there's no reason why a church couldn't reach 500 people in a year. And God responded, there's no reason you can't reach 5,000 by the time next year. And God give you all the resources that your hearts desire. Your God can do the impossible. People will turn to me and will be, and listen to this real carefully, because some of you are called to be leaders, and this is something important you're going to walk away with today. People will turn to me and be looking for someone to lead them. People will turn to me and be looking for someone to lead them. Will that be you? Will you be ready? Will your heart be ready? Will your team be built up and ready? Provision is coming. Tell me what you need to build my kingdom, and I will not be anxious to provide you with it. I am a God who provides. You have a tomorrow in mind. You have faith in the impossible for the hereafter. But what we need is a faith for the impossible today. So many of you are looking forward to the return of Jesus, where Jesus wants to do something now. And so we have to have faith for what, what God wants to do today. So I was reading through this word that the Lord gave me in 2011, and immediately I was reminded that exactly eight years later, almost to the date in February of 2019, my son Zion was at this exact same conference, and I know that Tim and Kara Warnock were there with him. Maybe several of you may have been there as well. And this time, they changed the name of the same conference to the one conference, and instead of one venue split up into two weekends, they had a larger venue. I believe it was at the, the convention center in Portland, and amongst you, five to 7,000 young people in the middle of a crowded room a speaker that was there stopped preaching and called my son out of the middle of the crowd and said that you have a generation of ministers in your family, and today that mantle is being passed down to you. And even there's some, there's some things, even like knowing Zion's name in the prophecy. 
and we have it on we have it on video. What does this all have to do with this? It's because people like my father had vision for things that he didn't see, things that he will never see. I have vision for things that, that I won't see, I'll never see, that God will pass on to my son, that God will pass on to my nephews, that God will pass on to my great nieces and my great nephews because God does generational things. And if you would get a mission and a vision for your life, it will impact your great-grandchildren. It will impact your great-great-nieces. Your family that isn't even born yet needs you to have some vision for your life, which is actually vision for theirs. So church, it's time to step into our calling. It's time to reach in this context, this city for Christ. And Dwayne Smiley said on Palm Sunday, he declared we have to take this city back. What does it mean to take a city back? We have to take a city back for Christ. And I walked away on Palm Sunday after Dwayne shared that message Palm Sunday morning and after my son shared a message that Sunday night in our downtown location, all of this coming together, God spoke to me this message we're going through this month. It's a season of open doors. And God showed me, you, if you don't go through it, you'll miss it. It's a season of open doors. And that's what we've been looking at this last month. Instantly, God gave me a vision of some things that we need to begin to do specifically for this summer. Right after that message, I had mentors start to come to me who knew nothing of what was going on. And they all said this, you have to have a vision beyond South Salem. You have to see beyond the neighborhood that your church is in. You have to quit hiding in this far corner of South Salem. You need to move into the city more to reach more people. Multiple people confirming again and again and again, not knowing what we were actually doing. So last week, I introduced to you what we're doing this, this summer. And in your seat backs or on your seat or on your seat, there's these little um, summer roadmaps. They're, they're blue. And you don't have to look at it with me as I speak, but it has all these dates laid out for you because these dates were kind of complicated last week when we went over them. So here's what I want you to know we're doing this summer. So July and August, so July and August, starting in two weeks, when we have church at Sunnyside, we will have only one service at 10 a.m. And today we're too crowded, um, and we're very intentionally going to create a too crowded situation in July and August. So in July and August, we are only have one service at 10 a.m. here at Sunnyside. But on the third Sunday of the month in July and August, the third Sunday of the month, that's July 16th and August 20th, we're going to serve a free community lunch to our neighborhood. So we're going to reach, do some canvassing, some evangelism, some prayer around our neighborhood, invite our community to have lunch with us. We're going to serve them a free lunch. We'll have our bouncy castle set up. We have no agenda except for just allowing our neighbors to get to know us. On the first Sunday of the month, July, August, and September, the first Sunday of the month, July, August, and September, we will not have church at all. You may say, Pastor, that's sacrilegious. And like I said last week, it's not. It's, it's actually smart because a lot of you don't even come to church during the summer. And so we actually want you to be here more. And to do that, we've opened a door for you to create some space so that you can be here when we're here. And so that's going to be on July the 2nd. That's the 4th of July weekend. No church. On September 3rd, that's Labor Day weekend, um, no church. We actually have slides for those things too. 
And on August the 6th, so in the middle of that, on Sunday, August the 6th, on the first Sunday of August, we are not having church, but we are going to have some church community building. And so we're having a beach party day. So that's going to be at Fogarty Creek Beach on Sunday, August the 6th from 1 to 4. We're having a beach party, and that will be accompanied with beach baptisms. And so if you would like your baptism to be memorable beyond what it's normally normally memorable by, um, be baptized in 40-degree water. Uh, that's what we'll be doing. Last year, we just one person wanted to get baptized in the ocean, and that day it turned into eight. And so maybe God's calling you to take that step of faith and be baptized in the ocean. Um, it's time for you to be baptized. Some of you are resistant right now, and you're saying, I'm not ready to be baptized. You know who you are. You're ready to be baptized when you have given your life to Jesus. God sanctifies you, and he makes you more like Jesus, and that doesn't end until the day you die. And so you don't wait until you're good enough to be baptized. You're baptized when you've surrendered your life to Jesus, and I'd like to see some of you baptized on that Sunday, August the 6th. Next is this. To continue to build some community during the summer because we don't have home groups, on the second and fourth Sunday of July, after our 10 a.m. service, we're going to just have lunch together as a church. We'll be going to the Beehive on July the, July the 9th, and then we'll be going to the Yard together on July the 30th, and the, the theme here is food. And so eat, fellowship, interact, enjoy each other's company. And then finally, here's the last little piece of information. Uh, on the second Sunday of August and September, so the second Sunday of August and September, that is August the 13th and September the 10th, we are not going to have church at Sunnyside. We will have just one church service in downtown Salem. So one church service in downtown Salem on August the 13th and on September the 10th, and that will be at 5 p.m. 5 p.m. on those particular days. And after our service, um, we're going to have a downtown block party. Um, we're going to have DJs. Um, we're going to have a kind of a fun breakdance competition. I'm looking at you, Kim Okelberry. And <laughs> we'll have food and just a good time getting to know our neighbors. Um, but we're going to have an amazing worship service. And then last week, what I didn't announce is that the service will be held at the Reed Opera House Ballroom. Raise your hand if you've been there before. It is a beautiful space. I'll talk a little more about it next week, but this building is 153 years old. Um, it was built 11 years after Oregon became a state. This ballroom was in existence before our Capitol building and before the Capitol building before that. This ballroom was in existence before the United Methodist Church in downtown Salem with the tall steeple, um, which has become a just a den of extremely anti-gospel, progressive ideologies. Um, and that's where we're going to be, is in this historic, spiritually historic place. Go back to that slide that has just a picture of the Reed Opera House on it. Um, and so the Reed Opera House is where we will be. And the goal of doing this is so we will launch our downtown service every week on September 17th. And so going forward in September, we'll have service here at 10 a.m., and we'll have service downtown at 5. It'll be the exact same service. So we're asking those of you who don't have children and or don't live in South Salem to make that location your home. With the same messages, the same worship, it's the same church. And I've had a lot of people, why are we doing this? Number one, God said to. Number two, um, evangelical Protestant churches have almost abandoned downtown Salem. There's two left. 
and there needs to be more of a presence. There needs to be 30 churches started in downtown Salem. Churches that are preaching the gospel, who are devoted to a biblical worldview, we are not enemies, we're partners. So we need to partner at reaching our city, and we can reach more people in more locations and in more times, and we need to fill the space that is a very spiritually significant space in our city um, so that we can make a bigger impact, because that's what God's asked us to do. And we'll be again at the Reed Opera House, and we're praying about where we will be once we will launch these services weekly. We've, since, we've outgrown the Ike Box. If you've been there, we've outgrown it. Um, we can't meet there early enough. And so we're praying about where we can land. And just something you can be praying about is that this last week, when working with the person from the Reed Opera House, um, I told her what our plans was, plans were. And she's like, oh, I live right by your church. Um, we'll give you the space for about one-third of the rate we rented out for a normal day. We'll have all day. And you don't need to get permits from the city for your block party because we actually have our own lot that you can use, and the city doesn't care. And so you can use our lot, our space, our area to do it. And I said, we're really thinking about launching weekly, but we don't think we would ever be able to afford for the foreseeable future uh, what the rate would be at the Reed Opera House. And it's normally $3,000 for one day for the ballroom. And she said, name a price, and you can meet there every week. And so I didn't test that out to see what that price would be. (laughs) So pray this week. And uh, so... They're open, and, and so we, we have a couple other places we're praying about, and Ladina told me this week, like, Anthony, this is a series about open doors. The, or, the door just wipe it open, wide open, and so we go through. When a door opens, if God says it's open doors, it's open doors. So that's where we're heading. Um, but I'm going to ask Dwayne Smiley to come up. He's going to transition us into a time of singing and prayer. Um, If you came today prepared to give, tithe, or offering to support this church, um, you can do so in-house. You can do so by giving on our app. You can do so by giving online. After we shared this vision this morning, someone asked me if there's a limit to how much they could give. And I said, absolutely not. There is not. Be be generous. Be faithful. See See what God will do through the vision that he's given. And Dwayne has just stepped into the role. You can come up here next to me, Dwayne. Dwayne stepped into the role here as our share director. And as a church, we have five purposes. It's to um, worship, to grow in our relationship with Christ, to connect with others, to serve our community, and to share the gospel. So Dwayne stepped into this role um, of leading up evangelism, leading missions, and then new believer follow-up and recruiting leaders to do those things with him. And he's going to share how you can be involved in this vision this summer and beyond. So give Dwayne a hand. All right, I'll make this quick. Um, I just want to say one thing. God knows everything, right? God knows the future. God knows the past. God knows where we're going. You know who doesn't? The devil. Here's the deal. 11 years ago, your pastor was in a conference, and God gave him a word. The devil didn't know what that word was. So what the devil decides to do is send COVID and all kinds of things and destroy us, try to destroy a city and try to destroy the church in a city. He didn't know that God had already told somebody that he was going to make a difference. And this is the time when a difference is taking place. 11 years later, which coincidentally, the Reed Opera House opened 11 years after the state of Oregon became a state. So there's something to be said there. God called Pastor Anthony 11 years ago, and if you read Esther, for such a time as this. And it's our job as the church 
to follow our pastor's vision. It's our job as the church to support our, his vision. It's our call to support his vision. And it's our call as people that love Jesus to go into the world. Amen? Now, we're not all going to go overseas. We're not all going to be pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, or teachers. But we can all share about Jesus. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. With all these community outreaches we got going on, I'm not going to go through all these dates. But the first thing we're going to do is on July 8th, we're going to meet here. That's the day that Abby and Zion are getting married, and we're going to get done way before they get married. So you'll be able to make their wedding. We're going to meet here at 930. We're going to have a quick instruction. And depending on how many people show up, we're going to spend no longer than two hours going right around our neighborhood. We want to grab the people in this area. We want to share with them. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a flyer. We're going to go knock on some doors, and all you need to do this is you need to be able to smile and say hello. And we're going to hand out some flyers and tell people about the community lunches that are going on, and we're going to invite them to come. And that's all we're going to do. However, if you knock on that door and you give them something, say, by the way, we're also out in the neighborhood just praying for people. Do you have anything we could pray for you about? And if they say, yeah, can you pray for this? We're going to pray for them. All right? No special training. You don't have to go to college for all this stuff. All you got to do is be able to knock on a door and smile. And we want to bring the people in this area to this campus. And that's the purpose of these lunches. We're going to start having these lunches so we can open up and share the love of Jesus with our community. And it's real simple. It's just through food. Jesus fed the 5,000. And remember all the people that got impacted by that? We're going to feed, we're going to fellowship, and we're going to have fun. And we're going to do this quite a few times. We're also going to do it when we prepare to go downtown. We'll be giving you all these dates. They're up there, but once again, we'll reiterate them as they come close. All right? So I just want to encourage you. How many of you give me a show of hands that would think you could do something like that? Just go out into the neighborhood for an hour or two, knock on a few doors. Amen? It's easy. And if you don't feel like you can do it, I will encourage you greatly. All right. The next thing I want to go through is I want to talk about, um, real quickly, expenses. This costs money. All right? We tithe, and I'm calling, I'm asking you to go above and beyond your tithe. I want you to pray, pray and ask God what you should give, whether it's a dollar, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, or ten thousand dollars. Or if you want to just give thirty thousand dollars, it'll take care of everything and we'll all be done. All right? So for these outreaches, each one is going to cost about nine hundred dollars. So we have two here. We have two downtown. That's nine eighteen. That's thirty six hundred dollars right there. We need to raise that amount of money. We also need to pay for the ballroom, which is uh, $2,500 total, $1,250 for each one. Uh, and then signs, signs and publicity, stuff like that, about $500. And then the big one, we need a sound system that we can keep at our downtown location. When we move sound systems back and forth, things get broken, uh, things get disjointed, things get uh, tore up, and I know the sound guys would, would concur with this, it, it can get to be a real hassle. So we want to get a sound system and everything, all the equipment we need for downtown, because we're going to be two locations, right? So that's going to be about 20000 So our total is right around 27000 and some change. But I just want to encourage you to ask the Lord what you can do to help in that, all right? What you can do. Like I said, we're not all called to do everything, but we can all give, and we can all, we can all put our handprint on something, right? Whether you give a dollar or not, it's going to impact people for years and years and years. Because this isn't something that's just going to happen for a couple of weeks. This is something that's going to be passed on from generation to generation. And by you giving to that, you're, you're going to affect generations. You're going to affect people. And your money is going to go towards people being saved and brought into the kingdom of God. Amen? All right. Are you excited about what God's doing? That's pathetic. All right. Let's try it again. Are you excited about what God's doing? Come on. All right, so stand up with me. Everybody stand up. We're going to pray. Hey, and 
I'll tell you, when, when God starts doing something, he tries to attack. And we really need to uphold our pastor in prayer and his family in prayer uh, because he is taking on something that no one else is willing to take on. All right? And this is an exciting time for the church, and it's an exciting time for everyone here. So I want you to make sure we pray for Pastor Anthony, too. All right? We're going to pray, then we're going to go into worship with Kim. Does Kim do an awesome job with worship or what? Kim is amazing, isn't she? I mean, she's awesome. And her guitar is so big. So anyways, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for what you've called this church to. We thank you for the uh, vision you gave Pastor Anthony. We thank you for Pastor Anthony and Susan as they lead us in this direction and the leaders of this church. Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name for protection over them, that you would watch over them, that you would give them guidance, that you would give them strength. We come against anything that the enemy would try to bring against Pastor Anthony, Susan, and this church in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray you would speak to each one of us. Where can we do? What can we be involved in? How much could we give? How much time could we serve to see your kingdom advance? Father, we pray for what's going to happen this summer. We pray for our neighborhood. We expect to see great things, Lord. People brought into your kingdom, people healed in Jesus' name. Father, I just pray for each person this morning that you would just bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. 